As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we gather in this holy place for this holy time to worship you. You grant us the gift, the gift of your presence, the gift of your word. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would plant that word deep in our hearts and souls, that it may indeed bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For reasons no one could understand, Emily Gossio began to lose her hearing at a young age. It got so bad that in her teenage years, she had to wear hearing aids in order to hear anything. Emily was passionate about the visual arts, and after graduating from high school, she moved to New York City to attend art school. She fell in love with a classmate, a young man named Alan, and life was good. Until one day, riding her bike to work, she was in a terrible accident, hit by a big truck. The doctors did everything they could to save Emily's life, which they did, but she emerged in critical condition having suffered a stroke, brain injury, multiple fractures, her prognosis wasn't good. 
Emily's parents flew up from Louisiana and with Alan kept vigil at her bedside day after day. They showed up to keep watch. Against all odds, after six weeks, Emily was still alive, although she showed few signs of mental functioning. Every time Alan or her parents tried to put in her hearing aids, she would kick and hit and flail so they couldn't do it and she couldn't hear. The doctors also suspected she had lost some, if not all, of her vision. They had little reason to hope she would recover. So finally, her parents made plans to transport her to a long-term nursing facility where she would live out her life. Her situation seemed hopeless. At the beginning of today's scripture, we hear that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and visions were not widespread. In other words, in those days, the situation seemed hopeless. Once again, God's people are in transition. After the exodus from Egypt, Moses and Joshua led the people through the wilderness to the promised land. Once there, a series of judges served as the leaders, guiding the people through a number of struggles and challenges. But at the end of the book of Judges, just before 1 Samuel, tribal wars are threatening to tear this small community apart. Despite this fractured social and religious landscape, 1 Samuel begins with a glimmer of hope. There's a woman named Hannah who comes year after year to the temple on an annual pilgrimage. And once there, she prays fervently and passionately, begging God for a child because she has been unable to get pregnant. Finally, God answers her prayer, and she has a son, Samuel, whom she returns to that same temple when he is just a toddler, to be raised there by the priest, Eli, and to serve the house of the Lord, the one who answered Hannah's prayers. The preacher Barbara Brown Taylor imagines what Samuel must have experienced growing up in the temple, where people would come day after day with their animal offerings, hoping against hope that making these sacrifices might appease God and ease their suffering and hardship. It was not so much a holy and sacred place to grow up, Taylor points out, as it would have been a messy and smelly one. Blood on the altar, smoke in the air, heat from the fires, never enough for a growing boy to eat. Scripture also tells us that Samuel's bedroom was not your typical boy's bedroom. Samuel slept at night by the ark of God, that legendary throne of God that Israel carried into battle and which contained relics of their past, manna from the wilderness, Aaron's rod, the ark, the tablets of the covenant. As Taylor writes, sleeping next to the ark had to be kind of like sleeping in a graveyard or under a volcano. Can you imagine the holiest of holies as your pillow? 
It's no wonder if Samuel was a little on edge, prone to hearing things in the middle of the night, ready to respond and go to an adult at a moment's notice when he hears something or someone calling his name. Here I am, he says, every time he hears his name in the night. On this night, he's convinced it is Eli calling him, which, of course, makes sense. Because despite growing up in the temple, this holiest of places, Samuel has not truly encountered God. Not yet. It happens to us, too. Coming to church might be a habit we picked up in childhood, something our parents required us to do, like it or not. In some cases, we come to the practice of faith and regular worship later in life, maybe when we're looking for a community, when we move to a new place, or searching for meaning or even answers when life doesn't go as planned. But over time, these habits we develop can become disconnected from the reasons we first established them. We can lose sight of what it was all for. Sometimes, if we're honest, the Word of God doesn't resonate. We find ourselves too weary and distracted to do much more than go through the motions. Throughout his ministry, Jesus invites people to follow him who least expect it, and who seem to have not a lot in common with each other. Fishermen working in the family business. Tax collectors shunned by their communities for collaborating with the Roman oppressors. Women and beggars and others who have been pushed to the margins of their society. But of course, all the disciples do have something in common, something really important. When Jesus invites them, They respond. They show up. Maybe this is why Jesus spends so much time reminding his followers to pay attention to what's happening around them, to be ready and on alert for God to show up. This is part of what church and worship are all about. This is where we come to develop that alertness that capacity for paying attention and listening for God. But often it only takes a few minutes after we leave the sanctuary or turn off the live stream for us to focus once again on the relentless mantras of the world that might makes right, that we earn what we have, and that the ones with the most toys wins. It is a discipline to listen for God. It takes practice. Jesus knows this. It is why in word and in action, by example, he teaches this again and again. And yet, he also reminds his followers in all kinds of ways that whether we are ready or not, God draws near to us. Not just in times like worship, times that we set apart, but every day. Even and especially in times of trouble and tragedy and chaos 
and disruption. This is how it happened for Samuel. His invitation came before he even knew God or what it might sound like for God to call out his name. But his instinct when he heard someone calling him was to immediately respond, here I am. Among the many tributes to Queen Elizabeth II this week was an audio clip of her at 14 years old. Elizabeth, who had been thrust into the line of succession as a child when her uncle abdicated the throne, making her father the king. She was 14 years old in 1940 when her country was in the midst of the Second World War, a time when so much seemed hopeless. She gave a series of addresses directed at the children of Great Britain, many of whom were living away from their homes and their families because of the war. She concluded the first speech with these words, We know, every one of us, that in the end all will be well, for God will care for us and give us victory and peace. And when peace comes, remember, it will be for us, the children of today, to make the world of tomorrow a better and happier place. When Samuel, with the help of Eli, finally realizes it's God calling him in the dead of night, you might have noticed that his response changes. Instead of jumping out of bed and running to Eli's side to say, here I am, Samuel stays put right there by the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. And there in the dark, he says the words Eli gave him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What God then had to say to Samuel, which is the part of the passage we didn't read, was probably not what Samuel expected or wanted to hear. It was a prophecy against Eli and his corrupt temple leadership, a proclamation that things were about to change. But this change also meant that the hopelessness of Samuel's life in the temple was not the end of his story, but just the beginning. God calls Samuel to a new purpose, a new identity, a new role. He would not be a priest serving at the temple, but a prophet, one who would go out from the house of the Lord to meet God's people where they were to draw alongside them, to listen to them, to remind them of God's presence and God's power, and that they too were God's beloved children, invited by God to participate in the healing of the world. Whether we are young people trying to imagine what our future holds, whether we're closer to the end of life than the beginning, or whether we're muddling through middle age, we are all God's children on a never-ending journey of faith. And God invites each of us to join in the work of building God's beloved community in our corner of the world. Like Queen Elizabeth, who never seemed to waver, in accepting the extraordinary responsibility thrust upon her at such a young age, 
like the boy Samuel, who responded so quickly to the call he heard in the middle of the night, God draws near to us. God invites us. God claims us and calls us to bring love and compassion and hope to the world and to do it together. Even as Emily Gossio's parents resigned themselves to her condition, Alan stubbornly clung to the hope that the love of his life could improve. One night, in a fit of desperation, he tried communicating with her by fingerspelling on her palm. He started by slowly and deliberately tracing each letter, I, L, O, V, E, Y, O, you. As soon as he finished, she spoke, her voice slurred but perfectly understandable. You love me? Thank you. With growing excitement, he tried something else. What is your name? He spelled out, and immediately she responded, Emily. It was 4 a.m., but Alan called Emily's mother and insisted she come to the hospital immediately. When she arrived, Emily's mother told Alan, ask her about the hearing aid. He fingerspelled hearing aid into her palm, and Emily nodded. He put the hearing aids in and said, Emily, can you hear me? It's Alan. And in that instant, the very moment she heard Alan's voice, everything came back to her. She knew who Alan was, and she knew he loved her, and she knew she loved him. Then, hearing her mother's voice, she said the words her mother had waited so many weeks to hear, Mama, you're here. Of course I'm here, her mother said. I've been here this whole time. Even in these days, when it feels like the word of the Lord is rare, and visions are not widespread, when so much in our lives feels disconnected and disrupted, when we feel ourselves emotionally and spiritually on high alert, ever ready for the next shoe to drop, the next COVID variant, the next shooting, the next conflict with someone we love, whether at home, at work, at church, when communicating with each other feels as hard as trying to finger-sign letters into each other's palms because we can't see or hear each other clearly, even in such a time as this, the promise of the gospel is that we are not alone. God has not abandoned us, and we must not abandon one another. We are invited and our first job is just to show up, to get a little closer to each other and to the God who is even now closer to us than our very breath. And when God's call comes to respond, speak, Lord, we, your servants, are listening. Amen.